we are going to be talking about this, this new person that we are supposed to have been becoming because we are Christ followers. Um, and the, I'm going to address some of the tension that exists because we don't always feel like a new person, even though we know we're supposed to be. Now, all of that being said, if, you're, um, if you don't consider yourself a Christ follower or you're still trying to figure this out or you don't know what it means to be a Christian, uh, just, just you're, 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 I won't say anything in here today that's going to make you feel weird or that you won't understand. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, we're pretty, pretty plain speaking here, and I just hope it helps you as well. Um, but to be honest with you, if, if you are a Christ follower and you're honest... There are moments in your life when you don't always feel like you are really succeeding at the Christian life. And so you read a verse like we're going to read that Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And you're going to be like, man, that sounds great. But that's not what I'm feeling. So he writes the church, he writes to the church at Corinth. And Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And he was a missionary. Um, that uh, used to persecute Christians and uh, miraculously became a Christ follower after the death of Christ. And he was called of God to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to everybody pretty much who was not a Jew. So he went to what was called the Gentiles and he went on four missionary journeys and he planted churches everywhere. He spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, so he, you have churches all over Asia Minor that he, that he, uh, you, that, that he planted, and then he would write back to those churches, and those letters were collected and became most of our New Testament. And so one of the churches that he planted was in a city called Corinth, and he wrote several letters to the church of Corinth. Now, we have two of them in the New Testament called First and Second Corinthians. We call them First and Second Corinthians, but to the best of our knowledge, they were probably third, uh, second and third Corinthians. Because if you read First Corinthians carefully, you can see that he references a previous document that he wrote. So there was probably a 1 Corinthians before 1 Corinthians. And then they have discovered writings that it looks like there was a fourth letter to the church at Corinth after 2 Corinthians. So, so we kind of have 2 and 3 Corinthians, which I'm happy I'm having that we have what we have, okay? I just think this is all great stuff. So Paul writes the church of Corinth, and, and in the first one that we have, now I've confused you if I say 1 Corinthians, you're not sure if I mean the first first one. Or the first one. I mean, the first one. So he tells them, you got some real problems in your church. And so he really is hard on them. And they make drastic corrections. And then he writes back again in 2 Corinthians. This 2 Corinthians. And he is, okay, okay, now let's take it easy here, right? Um, Take it easy. Um, If you're a, take it easy. If you're a Nacho Libre fan. So he's telling them here, like, okay, so... You know all about Jesus, and, and if you are a Jesus follower, you just don't know about Jesus. You actually know him, and there's a big difference, right? Like you can know all about a famous actor or a, or a singer or whatever and not know them. And I hope that, I hope that you understand the difference. Like you can, you can go to church all your life and you can be, you can even grow up in America and you can, you can listen to TV preachers and you can, you can even own a Bible and you can know all about Jesus, but you don't know him. 
And there's such a big difference. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that he's interested in. And so Paul says, all right, you know him now. And he talks about the change that takes place in this very famous verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says there, he says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Your Bible might say a new person. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And you're like, man, that sounds great. That's what I fully expected when I became a believer. um, Why don't I feel that way? How come I still feel guilty? How come I still have bad habits? How come I still have a poor self-image? Why do I still have negative thoughts? Why do I still get angry? Why do I feel unworthy? I am supposed to be a new person. I'm supposed to be this brand new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It sounds so wonderful. Why isn't that me? Am I just this weird person that is different from everybody else? Um, the answer is no, you're not. Um, if, if you are honest, um, you struggle with some areas. And um, one of my favorite pastors um, put it this way. He said there's three areas that, uh, that tend to make us feel like we're stuck in our old way of life. Or, or three areas, in, because of these three areas, we tend to not feel like a new person. And the first thing is our history, um, what we did in our past. So, so uh, in other words, like, Eric, you don't understand what I have done. It's the kind of thing that keeps you up at night. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's what other people know about you. And that, that guilt because of what you were known for or what other people know about you or, or what you did, that, that guilt that you feel, that your history becomes this anchor that pulls you down into the sea of guilt. And so even though there was a moment in your life where you trusted Christ and you feel like you got it, like, like I am a child of God, it seems to pull you back. And your history just takes you back there and you can't get over that. That's one possibility of why you feel like I don't feel like I'm this new person. Another thing is, is our hurts. The hurts that we feel because of what someone did to us. And this is legitimate. Eric, if you knew the pain that they caused me, the betrayal that I felt, the wounding that they caused... Um, it takes me to a very dark place and it becomes very hard to trust anybody else. And so what happens is I'm going along in my Christian walk doing my best and somebody will say something or somebody will react a certain way or somebody will seriously look a certain way or I will smell something and it takes me back and it 
feels like I am that 15-year-old person again. And I feel like that hurt that they caused is as fresh as when it just happened. And I don't feel like I am walking in this newness of life anymore. And what I feel instead is that that person who, who caused me so much hurt is controlling me still. And I hate it, but it's the life that I'm living. And I don't think that's how I'm supposed to feel. So the history about what we did, our hurts, about what somebody did to us, and, and our habits. And, uh, and, and these are the things that we continue to do. And this is, I think, across the board, probably the most easily understood. Because to be honest with you, it's like they just don't seem to go away. And it would be wonderful, like, if, if when we came to Christ, all of that just disappeared. But it doesn't. If you only knew the struggle that I still have to try and overcome, the failure that I feel because of this in my life, I'm so embarrassed because of this. Eric, I've prayed, I've battled, I have worked hard, I still feel like I can't get out of this habit. How, okay, here's, here's how hurtful it can be. How can I be a new person? How can I even be saved if I can't overcome this bad habit? How can I be a new person in Christ if I can't give up this sin. Man, do you feel the tension this morning? Yeah, I, this is real stuff. Like this is, this is Eric. Like I, I deal with this. I'm not telling you what my stuff is. I'm just telling you right now. But I got stuff, Right? And these are conversations that a lot of people have. Like, Eric, this makes no sense to me. Where's the victory in Jesus? Where's the, where's the new life in Christ? Where is all of that? Let me just say this. These are legitimate feelings, okay? You feel the way you feel. The last thing I want to do is tell you that the way that you feel is not the way that you feel. Because you do. But feelings aren't facts. And we don't change by simply feeling different. So here's, here's, so like, even if you felt better about yourself, it doesn't change who you are in Christ. And just because you feel bad doesn't change who you are in Christ. Do you hear that? And even if you felt better about who you are in Christ. It doesn't change who you are in Christ. I mean, I know you all have perfect children, right? And your children have never caused you a moment of grief. But think of us who have had those moments of grief with our children. 
They are just as much our children in those moments of grief as in the moments of happiness, right? That's a secure relationship. Now, is the relationship as fulfilling? No. Is there sadness? Of course. But if we are the sons and daughters of God, then how I feel about that relationship determines my fellowship with him perhaps, but not my standing in him. So here is kind of like what I'd love for us to get here is that we are supposed to be living in Christ the way we received him. So when, when you came to Christ or when we come to Christ, we had to humble ourselves and acknowledge the fact that we were unable to save ourselves, that we were all sinful. And that sin that we have committed separates us from God. But Jesus Christ paid for my sin on the cross, lived a sinless life, was crucified, rose again from the dead to give me victory over death, and his blood paid for my sin. I am honestly now sinless before God, and I believe that, and I act upon that, and I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and what he did for me. And rather than me trying to work myself to heaven, I accept what God has already done for me. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. And I believe that and I accept it. So I'm a child of God. Took faith and I acted upon that faith. I believed it and I acted upon it. That's how we are to live the Christian life. Let me show you this beautiful verse, one of my favorite verses. Again, Paul, right, writing to another church in Colossae. He wrote the book of Colossians in chapter 2, verse 6. He says this, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, what do you do? You walk in him. How do you walk in him? The same way you received him. How did I receive him? By faith. What's faith? Believing and acting upon it. Faith is more than just believing. Faith is stepping out of the boat believing. Right? Stepping, faith is not just saying, yeah, I believe that's Jesus. No, faith is, yeah, I'm stepping out believing it's Jesus. So, so getting saved is not just, I believe that's Jesus, and I believe that he died on the cross. Faith is, I believe he died on the cross for me, and I accept that as my salvation. And so we live the Christian life the same way. We will only be changed and only live out our Christian life by faith in our God. Faith as we live it out. Faith says, I don't understand it. (laughs) Uh, I don't get it. I can't figure it, but I believe it, and I'm going to act upon it. So, if we are made new in Christ, if We are new creatures. If the old is passed away and all things become new, what do we do with that? A couple things we have to understand. First of all, we are forgiven from our past. Believe it and act upon it. That's what I'm saying. Have faith. Believe it and act upon it that we are forgiven from our past.
Ephesians 1, 7 says this, in whom, the whom is Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In Christ you are forgiven. A greater amount of remorse doesn't make you more forgiven. A greater amount of guilt doesn't make you more forgiven. More good stuff that you do doesn't make you more forgiven. Okay, the prodigal son returns home to daddy, right? He's wasted all of his inheritance, ends up in the pig pen, decides to go back to his daddy, humbly comes to his father and says, I just, I don't even deserve to be called your servant. And his daddy does what? He says, we're going to have a celebration. He puts shoes on his feet, a ring on his hand, and a robe on his back and says, you're my son. It wasn't because of his behavior. It was because he was a son. And no amount of contrition makes you any more right with God. Your past is forgiven. Romans 8.1 Check this out. I mean, you can't get more definitive than this. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. I wish we would believe that. Forgive yourself. Now here's, I do believe this. Make it right. And if there's somebody that you need to make it right with, go make it right. Do your best. But don't waste the forgiveness you've been given by carrying around the guilt. Believe that and act upon it. Second thing I believe this is uh, that we are healed from our hurts. We are healed from our hurts. This just makes me so happy. Jesus Christ starts his ministry and he sits down in the temple and he pulls out one of the scrolls. And he turns to the book of Isaiah, and they they literally had like this bench that you would sit on, and then there was this table made out of stone, and the table had these, these little depressions in it on either side where you would roll the scroll out, and the two ends of the scroll would sit in those depressions. And anybody could read, like it, you know, uh, there was a certain accepted, uh, you know, you, you had to have a little bit of credibility, right? So Jesus goes up there and he rolls this scroll out and he turns to the book of Isaiah and he reads this almost like prophetically, like this is why I am here. And he reads this from the book of Isaiah in the book of Luke chapter four, verses 18. This is recorded. It says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus came to heal our pain. I've had a lot of broken bones in my life. I was just one of those kids that thought he could jump a little further than he could, right? Or could swim a little bit further out than he probably should have. I was just one of those kids. Good thing both of my parents were nurses. And for them, taking me to the hospital was like a sign of failure. So we fixed everything at home, right? My mom and dad literally would bring cast material home. 
Remember plaster casts? Like they, my dad would bring that home. I broke both my wrist at one time, my elbow in three places, collarbone, shoulder, ankles twice. I mean, it just, there was, in my, between my junior and, high, junior and senior years, I, I, I showed up on crutches three years from the summer. It was just the kind of kid that I was. And, uh, but they all healed. This one gives me a little trouble still. But they're all, they're all healed. And there's some scars, right? I climbed the telephone pole outside my yard because it was there. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to do that? And then started to fall and grabbed hold of it. Flew down. Lots of splinters. And they got all but one of them out. We had to go to the hospital for that one. That's a big scar right there. Just the way that, but it healed is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a scar. It was a wound, but it healed. And it's possible. I'm not saying you weren't hurt. I'm not saying it didn't happen. But wounds heal. Broken bones heal. And that's why Jesus came. Believe that he can heal you and then act upon that. And here's the truth. Like, they may have even meant it for evil. But God can turn it into something beautiful. Believe that. Instead of focusing on the offender, instead of focusing on the pain, realize that God can make something beautiful out of it. Jesus came to heal you. And I believe this, that Jesus can heal more beautifully than they can hurt. And if that's the case, then how exciting is it to think about what God can do? With what has happened to you. Second Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. This was his third book that we call second. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Check it out. Who comforts us in our tribulation. And then this is the part that just gets me so happy. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Well, how do we know how to comfort them, Eric? By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. We are able to comfort somebody else the same way that God comforted us in our trouble. Isn't that beautiful? That God can equip you to comfort somebody else. Here's a phrase that I would suggest that you use. Here's what helped me. Not, let me tell you what happened to me. Because now we're comparing. Now I am letting you know that what happened to you is not as bad as you think it is. Right? Let me tell you what I did. I don't want to know what you did. But if you tell me, let me tell you what helped me. I'm willing to listen to that. Because if it helped you, you're not saying it has to help me. I'm willing to listen to what you had to say. 
And there may be something in there that, that might help me. But let me, let me tell you what helped me. And, and you and I both know that unsought advice is always unheeded. And if you go around throwing advice, it's probably not going to be really appreciated. But if you're in that moment and somebody needs help and they've expressed to you that they would like to know how you got through what you got through, let me tell you what helped me. And lastly, we are freed from our habits. Our sins are forgiven, thank God, <laughs> but, our ta- but our habits tend to stick around. I hate that, right? I wish the habits would just go away like our sins did, right? We all got them. I believe this, that you can love God sincerely. I believe that you can cry at a worship song. I believe that you can love God and still overspend, overeat, fight addictions, get angry, be critical. So what do you do with that? But you love God. I believe this, that there is something you can do about that. Paul, writing to the book, uh, to the church of Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, he's writing to believers, right? These are people who knew Christ. He says this in chapter four. He's telling them how to live out the Christian life. He says this, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Let me kind of paraphrase that for you a little bit. You know what Jesus has taught you. So Jesus has taught you the truth. You know what Jesus has taught you. If you know what Jesus has taught you is true, then he goes on to say this, that you put off concerning the former conversation. That's the King James way of saying saying your old way of life. So that you put off your old way of life, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So here is like, so okay, it takes faith to walk the Christian life. So here's what he's saying, all right? This is where we can be proactive. This is something that we can live. We don't have to passively stand by and say, I just can't get rid of these habits. I know my sins are forgiven, but I can't do anything about my bad habits. Yes, you can. You can live by faith. You can believe that God can help you with this and you can act upon it. Just like you take your clothes off and put fresh clothes on, most of us. Unless you're an adolescent. That doesn't seem necessary at that age. Most of us change clothes on day, clothes, shut up. Most of us change clothes on a daily basis, right? We find it necessary to just, you know, get rid of our old stuff and put the clean stuff on. That's the analogy he's using here. We can actively create new habits by exercising faith. Your old man, right? Take off the old you. Stop doing what you used to do. 
So here's how I define the old man. What's the old man? The old man is who I was and what I did and who controlled me before I met Jesus. All right? So, so it's who I was, what I did, and who, what control, and who controlled me before I met Jesus. So that was my old man. That means that if I am in Christ and I am a new person and I can put on the new man, that means I don't have to be controlled by the old man anymore. And I know that that simplifies it. And I know that it's a struggle. And we all got stuff. And here's the thing, right? So I, I'm, here I am preaching this message, and I'm thinking, I need this. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you. Like there, I'm like, I'm, that's me. I'm still taking off and putting on. I'm still working on areas of my life. And a lot of times, like, I take them off, and they'll be off for a while. And then I put them back on again. This is a journey. It's a, we work on this kind of thing. It's building our faith. That's what we're called to be doing. Believe it and act upon it. Believe the fact that you don't have to be a slave to your old habits. That there, it doesn't mean perfection. It means that you have a way out. That you've been freed. Listen, the door is open. We have kennel trained our dog. So she likes to be in her kennel whenever she feels uncomfortable or like, all you got to do is just go, kennel. And she just trots right and goes in the kennel. Like she's, and honestly, like, there are times like if she's not feeling well or, or whatever, or there's loud noises or, you know, whatever, she will be gone and she's just in her kennel, right? The door can be wide open. And so many times that's how we are with our habits. We've been freed, but we choose to jump back into the cage and live there. Believe the fact that you have been freed from your habits. You're, you're not only forgiven, but you have been freed from your habits. All right, so you messed up. So you failed. So you clicked again. So you overate. So you overspent. So you yelled. I'm not, belittling it. I'm not belittling it. I'm just saying, okay, so stop it. Stop it. Like, draw a line, all right? You blew it. Let's move on from here. You're freed from your habit. Act upon the fact that you are a child of God. Believe it and act upon it. Don't become enslaved to it. But Derek, I've been messing with this for 20 years. And you might again tomorrow. But take it off. And put on the new man. Don't give up. Gather strength. Ask for help. Put on the new man. I believe this. Our change of life should result in a change of walk. I think that we should be becoming a different person. And as we are becoming a different person, our behavior should change. 
So take a step of faith. Believe (laughs) this about yourself and act upon it. Let's pray. I don't know what all the answers are, God. I really don't. Um, I just ask for your help to communicate this message to the hearts and lives of your dear children this morning. That you would encourage us to hear your spirit. To live out the life that you have called us to live. This new person. That our light would shine. That our love would be real. And that the goodness that you are would not just be experienced but would become a part of who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen.